so I picked up the phone and I called five private clubs that were at the top of our list, all great, classic, great golf courses. And I got five yeses that they would let us come out and host. I explained who we were, I explained our passion for the game. And when I got those five yeses and I saw the experience that we had at those clubs, I knew that there was something here. I knew there was something even beyond the introduction to a private club. I knew that there was an experience we were starting to tap into that was so different from my weekly daily golf. And that's when we launched. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today my guest is Matt Considine, founder and CEO of New Club Golf. Modeled after golf societies in Great Britain and Ireland, New Club is a society of golfers playing the game as part of a diverse and dynamic community at a selection of compelling courses and honored clubs. So Matt, without me explaining too much more of all the great entrepreneurial things you're doing and how you're building community, I'm going to let you dig down into that and, and tell us all about that. So Matt, thanks so much for joining us today and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast. Hey Colin, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And we've had a, a good conversation last week as an intro to this. And I just love what you're building here and the entrepreneurial spirit that you're building community around with golf. So to get us started, why don't you first tell us a bit about your personal and backstory with a connection to golf and how that has led up to the creation of New Club Golf? Yeah. Like many people that find themselves in the industry, you know, I've always just enjoyed being around the game my whole life, as long as I can remember. And not just having a club in my hand and playing. I just like being there, being around club pros, being around the golfers, whether it was playing at my local Muni or the country clubs that I grew up at or the places that I worked, cleaning carts and working in the bag room. That type of stuff is where I wanted to be. That's what I wanted to be a part of. And it's probably what ended up bringing me right back to it and finding me starting a business in the golf industry. Got it. And as you were telling me the other day, with your background in golf, what was that aha moment? What was that validator? I believe you went on a bit of a trip, got on a plane and went across the pond to really see some opportunities that have really informed and shaped what you've created with New Club Golf. So why don't you tell us a bit of that backstory, kind of that inspiration, that aha moment that happened a few years ago? Yeah, it's it's cool to reflect on this journey with you today because I was thinking about it before we got on the call. And, and it really was the inspiration. And then there's obviously the product market fit and the reasons that we got going and turned it into an LLC. But the inspiration goes back really to my time spent in Ireland in 2005. So I was a college golfer, collegiate golfer, playing for the University of Akron Zips in Akron, Ohio, my hometown. I stuck around on a, on a golf scholarship and gave that a go. And really, at the age of 20, I, I became burnt out. I thought I was burnt out on golf. I was really just burnt out on a version of golf. The obsession was score and it was really one dimensional. So I looked at myself in the mirror and said, I want to be a college kid. I was at University of Akron, not much of a party school. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go travel. So I applied for a different scholarship and ended up receiving it to go study abroad in Ireland. So I spent the whole year in 2005 over there. I didn't even bring my golf clubs with me, Colin, which seems nuts at the time to <laughs> being back to Ireland a few times now. I, I didn't leave with my golf clubs. I tried some different sports. Sports have always been a part of my life. So I was on the basketball club. I even gave the Gaelic sport of hurling a try, which I don't recommend for anyone that didn't grow up playing that game. It's extremely, I guess, violent is really the only word you can use. It really um, is. Yes. <laughs> and uh, after getting my butt kicked in that sport for uh, a few weeks, I met a couple guys on that club that were also golfers and mentioned that I played collegiate golf in the States. 
And they had a rule over there. They called it the Yank policy or the Yank rule, where each college golf team could have one American. Very popular place for Americans to study abroad. So they just didn't want, I guess, us to overtake their teams. So they had a spot opening. And I tried out, played with Graham, who was the captain of the club, and made that squad. And really through that experience, that second semester was the biggest opening of my eyes to a whole different type of golf. They were competitive. They didn't have a budget. So to get to the six main universities, Ireland's infrastructure is a little rough. So getting from one to the other, you couldn't really have a match every week. So to keep sharp and have kind of that social aspect, that competition, they would actually play against local golf societies. And that was my introduction to golf societies. And really, I have to say that's the main inspiration for what's led me to launching New Club. It's a group of people that maybe don't have real estate or a golf club that they play at, but they organize these social events and these matches to be played throughout the calendar year. And they play at a variety of different clubs. And so that really appealed to me. It was so different than what I grew up with as a kid in Akron, Ohio, and the country club life that that we had. And it was different than what my father did and what he played with. And I knew it was something that he would also enjoy because I was having such a blast doing it. And so that always stuck with me. And that was kind of the, the initial inspiration for bringing the golf society concept to the United States. I love this. And there's a parallel we talked about in our last conversation that you had to go elsewhere to find something that wasn't happening in the US and being able to bring that back and then validating or even testing and experimenting to see if that would work. Not unlike what Howard Schultz did back in the day very early with Starbucks, where he spent a lot of time in Italy and seeing that coffee culture. And there wasn't anything like that in the US at the time. So bringing that back here and of course, scaling that up into what Starbucks is today. So I I love that. I truly believe there is a parallel there between what you've brought back and then what you've tested. So with that, can you tell us what the first steps were as you saw that it could resonate, but how did you first test that and then see if there was even a business model around that? So what were your first steps when you came back to the States there with the concept of New Club Golf? Yeah, even though that 2005 experience when I was 20 years old was fundamental in in understanding golf societies and getting this first step towards it here, it really was a trip in 2015 with my local group that I played a lot of golf with. We went to Scotland and we spent a few days at the new golf club of St. Andrews. Pay homage to them and the innovators of the 18th century, if you will, that really initiated the golf society movement. Back from that trip, I just said to myself, I'm going to start enjoying golf again. And to do that, I need good people that share this reverence and this passion for the game of golf. I need those people to play with because I think circumstance of life, as we all get older and careers, children, maybe moving town for a job, there's so many different reasons, all good priorities, but they really kind of take away from our ability to go play golf, particularly in in the metro area, like where I live in Chicago. So I said, let's do this. We had an email group through my personal network of people that were self-proclaimed golfers, but not playing any golf. And so I put them all in an email and said, hey, listen, we're going to book a tee time every Saturday or Sunday morning, and we're going to fill it with this group. And I think at its peak, that group got up to about 50 people on that email address. And that's when I said, we're going to try something. When I said we were really going to launch New Club as a business was after a group of us, we're all talking about the different private clubs in town. 
if you're a golfer who aspires to play and play good, compelling golf courses, you know, typically you go the private club route. That's how it works, at least in the professional world. So a lot of the people I was talking to were looking at different clubs and it was crazy to me that they actually hadn't even seen them. They're talking about these places that they haven't even experienced for themselves. And I kind of compared it to a buying a condo or buying a car, a highly considered purchase. Would you ever not test drive it? Would you ever not walk through it, have right. an inspection? And so, so I picked up the phone and I called five private clubs that were at the top of our list, all great, classic, great golf courses. And I got five yeses that they would let us come out and host. I explained who we were. I explained our passion for the game. And when I got those five yeses and I saw the experience that we had at those clubs, I knew that there was something here. I knew there was something even beyond the introduction to a private club. I knew that there was an experience we were starting to tap into that was so different from my weekly daily golf. And that's when we launched. I, I love what you just said there. And I cannot stress enough with entrepreneurs, whether they're in the golf industry or in any sector that I speak with, and what you've just said there, that you have to find the market first and validate that. So rather than focusing on the product or the experience and building this thing so it's shiny and what you consider perfect, you went out there and you got five yeses. So that notion of needing to find the market first and discover what that is and unlock that value and create something that's different or finding that gap sometimes. Sometimes it's pain points, sometimes it's just gaps. What you've done here with New Club is you're resurrecting golfers that have strayed away from the game. And I fit completely into that profile. I play less golf now than I have in the last few years, now that I'm in the golf industry too, because most of my friends now, between family and business and other commitments and lifestyle, they're just kind of fallen by the wayside. So, and I don't like playing by myself. Uh, even though I'm a social person, I can go out there and do that. So this really resonates with me, what you're creating here and seeing that opportunity to bring people back to the game as a community building opportunity, as compared to some of the other great things that are going on out there, whether it's Latina golfers and women of color golf that are then onboarding these groups and these people that have never been exposed to the game. So you're going after a different target audience and it sounds like that's resonating. So congratulations on, on what you've done so far. Well, thank you. Yeah. And 90% of the, on the business side, our partners that we work with on this to facilitate tea times, 90% of them, they actually have looked at us and said, wow, part of your mission is to keep a club in people's hands because they too, just to your point, they recognize that this age gap, if you will, of the young professional that's kind of in that transition part of their life, you know, you really got to keep golf somewhat a part of it. Maybe it's not going to be as much as it will be when they're retired or when they were in high school playing on the golf team, but it still needs to be a part of it for them to enjoy it at a different level when their free time opens back up. Absolutely. So let's take a step back here for our listeners so they can understand exactly what you provide, what the service offering and the experience offering is with New Club. Why don't you give us the New Club elevator pitch? Sure. So New Club is a golf society that you do apply to become a member of. So we have an application process, a proprietary system that we utilize for, for that and a membership committee that approves folks. The things that we look for is really a, a reverence and a passion for the game of golf. Once you get past the likeness of us all enjoying this great game, it's about as diverse as you could imagine. And, and we want to keep it that way. So that's kind of our intention of getting people, the kindred spirits of this game together to, to play the game on the front end. And then once you're accepted and you pay your annual membership fee to be a member of New Club Golf Society, then you have access to our mobile app. And in our mobile app, you see your daily, weekly golf, along with trips, tournaments, and events throughout the entire year. 
Love it. So what you've created here, I'm assuming is what we call a two-sided marketplace that you generate revenue from the golf courses and you also generate them from your memberships. Is that correct? Or can you elaborate on that a little bit for us? No, that's correct. Yeah. Those are our two main revenue streams. The first and primary being our membership. We do see this as a scale business and we'll be launching new markets this year and many years to come. But we try to keep a price point in the range of below a thousand bucks because we think that we want this to be accessible, not to just your high income earners, but just across the board because everybody loves this game. And one of our top professions, as an example, is our teachers and they got their summers off so they can play a lot of golf. And then from there, you pay as you go to play your golf. So in our mobile app, it's as easy as one click booking and your tee time is reserved. You can book as a single. You can meet other new club members. That's actually how 80% of people book is on their own. And you're playing with the community at all these different great golf clubs and courses. So on that side, we have a revenue arrangement with our clubs and have a small percentage there as well. Got it. And are your finding as far as growth for you and customer conversion or acquisition, if you want to call it that, is it mostly word of mouth through the clubs and also through other people that have signed up? Is it very socialized in that sense? Or how have you gone about scaling up and growth and getting more people involved in, in onboarding? Entirely word of mouth. We started with that email of 50 and it's funny because it's still the same tactic. We haven't changed that one bit. It's friends that start skeptical about the concept and they experience it for themselves. They meet the people that are a part of this and they tell their friends and family about it. And that's how we've been able to get up to 350 members here locally. And that's how we've been able to get to now over a hundred ambassadors that we have around the country. Gotcha. So locally, so you're focusing or have focused on the greater Chicago market, I'm assuming that's your beachhead to, to get this business model right and then to scale it nationally. Is that, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. We're finding that every market is probably going to be a little different and have its nuances. And we really want to get the recipe right here for all our local members in Chicago. Most of them were our founding members who we didn't have any golf for them when they joined. And we had no idea what this was going to you know, shape up to be. So doing what's right for them, we're, we're really very focused on Chicagoland and making sure that this goes well. That has taken us into the border of Chicagoland, depending how you break up the market. We get into parts of Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana. We, we work with clubs there and we do do trips all over. But yes, we really do want to see the local market, the hyper local even to the point where we know that where members live. And if someone doesn't have a car, they can get a ride for somebody that lives in their neighborhood. Things like that we're still working on. And we think that that it's just not out there. And it's something that really does need to exist for someone to have compelling golf back in their life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You did mention uh, the ambassador system that you have, and this is so so timely. I was just on another podcast talking exactly this: is how do how do you scale a business? And that is ambassadors, influencers, advocates, and also the partners and mentors and advisors. And you touched on that earlier too. So that sounds like as an entrepreneur, you're really getting that the power of partnerships and ambassadors for other people to embrace your why and what you do and the value of that because you can't do it all by yourself with the limited resources you have. So tell us a little more about that ambassadors program that you have. I saw on your website, you certainly have that there that people can register or apply for that, I believe. But tell us a little more about how you're going to scale up across the country with your ambassador program. 
Yeah, it, it really started when we were getting applications from all over the country that we didn't know what to do with. <laughs> so, okay. uh, so we started talking to some of these people. I, I just get them on the phone and say, hey, I, I just want to explain to you, you know, we're focused in Chicago, but I, I still want to get to know you and, and understand what you're looking for in your golf. And all around the country, Colin, we were just talking to the most passionate people that were seeing what we were doing. We're seeing the courses that we were going to. We're seeing the events and the uniqueness of the places that we wanted to support. And they wanted to be a part of it. And so what's so cool about this ambassador network, and as I said, we just crested over 100 members this past week. It's maybe our most passionate and not to take away from our local members by any means, but they have the support system in place. These guys are out there primarily on their own. You know, there's a few pockets of our ambassadors that are getting together and doing meetups in D.C., Atlanta, Seattle. There's some spots where there's a concentration of five or 10 or so. But other than that, these guys and gals are all over the place and they just love golf and they love the values that we like to talk about. And so they're our biggest champions. They're the ones that are showing us the way forward and saying, hey, these are the places that also share our values and we should go check out in my local market. Give you an example. We've had a few in Tennessee that were big supporters of what we've been doing since day one. And when they became ambassadors, we made the decision to go have our spring meeting, which is everyone from Chicago flying or driving down to Tennessee to play about four or five other courses. And we did it last year and it was just magic. And it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for our ambassadors. So it's a very key market for us. We even have a chief ambassador, Kevin Moore, who is a professor of mathematics at the University of Georgia, very active Twitter guy if anyone interested, but he helps lead this this effort and getting the right people involved to help us grow. Nice, nice. You did use the term core values there and how important that is and integral to what you do. So let's drill down that, that a little bit. And I talk about this all the time with new entrepreneurs about building culture and building your purpose and building your why. And people may think that sounds kind of fluffy or esoteric, but is it is so important to actually have that. And even right front and center on your uh, on your website, you talk about your five core values, which I'd like you to elaborate on a little bit, because I think this really is the piece that is the glue that is part of your secret sauce and separates you from some of the other things that are out there and will allow you to scale as a nationwide community. So can you talk about your core values a bit? I'd love to. Yeah. No, thank you for asking that. We look at it very much the same way, you know, that authentic community has to, they could be as different as the day is long, but they need to have those values that are shared. And so we do have five core shared values for the golf society, their community, integrity, reverence, inclusivity, and mindfulness. Those are our five. And the way we got to them, me and my co-founder listed out all the, the values of golf that we love so much, you know, the things that draw us to the game in general. And it was a big list. I mean, it was probably 30, 40 different words like these. And then we floated them out to a group of our members and said, vote them up or vote them down and give us examples of how this has resonated in your experiences with New Club. And at the end of the day, these five emerged at the top. And, and I'll just use one as an example mindfulness. It doesn't seem like that would be a, a common thing that you'd see for a golf society or golf in general. But we had a member just share the impact that one of our member gifts, when you joined new club last year, you would get Zen golf from Dr. Joe Parent. 
And he shared with us this beautiful story of how it's impacted his life with his daughter, with his wife, all starting from the golf course. And it really has to do with just his mindfulness, believing that golf's a metaphor for life and and we're going to continue to strive to improve and take a deep breath before we tee up on the first hole and, and give it our best shot. And I think things like that are very real for us and why we decided to put them front and center uh, on our website and all of our communication of what our values really are. Love this. One of the other ones I want to talk about is inclusivity. So I want to ask you about this because we both know that the real multi-billion dollar business opportunity for golf is to become more diverse, more inclusive, getting younger and welcoming and inviting for everyone to play. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about with inclusivity. What are you seeing now with the the membership you have? I realize you're growing, but it's still a, a small sample set, even though it's growing every single day. What are you finding now as far as, I'm just curious, as far as how many women are, are on board and what the age range is that you have right now and what your plans are to promote that even more to make other people that love the game feel welcome and invited to become part of your community? Yeah, that's a big one. That's a big one for golf in general. Uh, you know, and I think we follow very similar trends to to what we see overall in golf. We we have a ambition like many to make sure that we do remain to be inclusive. It is our core value and it's it is challenging, Con. I'll be I'll be frank. There's intimidation factors with the game, particularly as we visit private clubs that folks may not feel either welcome or or they may not feel comfortable going out there with a, a group of new club members that they haven't met before and, and teeing it up. So we've come at this in a few ways. To answer your question directly on, on what our percentages are, you know, our average age is still at, I think it's 34 and a half, but that doesn't mean we have, you know, members as young as 20 years old. We actually have a, a young pollinator program that's high school students which is helping okay. us. And I can elaborate on that if you'd like. And then on the female side, we're at 5%. And we think that's woefully low. We have plenty of female friends that are picking up the game and getting into it, but still not ready to make that leap into something like New Club or anything else. You know, they're going to places like Five Iron Golf. They're going to Top Golf, but they haven't taken it to the, the green grass. And they certainly haven't aspired to see different courses and experience it through maybe a match. So we think that's our mission is to to help get them to that point. And one of the ways that we help on the introduction side is we've worked with some area golf courses that are not your traditional experience. So uh, I'll use the example of a community golf course here in Evanston, which is called Canal Shores. Canal Shores isn't a municipal golf course. It's a complete nonprofit that has three different leases with the waterway, the city of Wilmette, and the city of Evanston just to have their 18 short course holes. Um, It's not a full regulation golf course. And I'm telling you, Con, this place is a blast. And what's so cool about it is that, you know, someone who's a scratch golfer can be playing right next to a 30 handicap and still have a good day. So we've, we've approached places like that, which isn't our core. That's not the majority of the golf that we play, but we've approached places like that and we'd say, hey, would you be okay if, if all of our members came out to play an event, but after the event, we want to have a couple of the greens for a chipping putting contest and we're going to have live music and a uh, food truck that comes in and sits just off the side. And they have been so supportive of that. They've been doing it for themselves as well. 
And it's just been so cool to see that our members who are, for the most part, avid, passionate golfers, they are extending the invites to their coworkers, their friends, their spouses, their kids who maybe don't play the game at events like that. And it also, what I think it does, Colin, is it makes them feel proud of their golf society. They're proud to say, hey, Saturday morning, I'm going to play at this private club with this wonderful group of people. And because we do things like that, and it's not just about their own golf, it's about everyone else as well. I think they're proud to be a part of that. And so that's kind of been our formula and how we're going to try to continue to keep it inclusive. And pride is so important. It's one of those building blocks for community. So to extend with that community building, it's not just the golf that you have. What other experiences either before or after the actual round of golf do you have within your groups, let's say with an experience on that Saturday? What else do you do to extend that sense of community once you get off the golf course or even before? Yeah, we like to call it the post-round hang, which some days can be more important than the actual round of golf. You know, when you're sitting there with a group of friends recapping your round, I just think that cements the experience. You know, I always kind of insist on it with people and I know we're all busy and we got places to go, but most days I would rather play 12 holes and then have a good hour, hour and a half of the post round hang, which is take in the sunshine, (laughs) sit around, maybe have a putting chipping contest and reminisce or tell stories or look forward to the next event. That to me is when new clubs at our best is when you see those people making those relationships and connecting on this shared sport of golf. That's where it becomes real for me. So I, I we always insist on the post round hang. Some other things that we've done is bring in live music. I think that's something that needs to happen a lot more in golf. Who doesn't love live music? We have a member, Tim, who comes out and plays acoustic guitar for us just on a random Saturday or Sunday or even a Thursday night we've done. So that's not a huge production. And then there's other times where we'll bring in a band or bring in a DJ and actually have more of an event-focused celebration. And both those are just saying, hey, it is about golf. That is our, our core focus, but we have all the reasons to hang out as well. What you said back in 2005, the real inspiration back in Ireland, it sounds like you've taken a more contemporary spin on that community building aspect of all the things that you loved about what was going on in Ireland that was not going on in the US. And it sounds like it's very fluid and it's constantly evolving, but that sense of community is growing and sounds like it's part of your secret sauce there. That's right. That's right. And you know, to be a member of those clubs over there is such an honor, but it really, it comes back to the golf. It is about the golf. And I know there's these other ways that we can enjoy ourselves before and after. And so many of our clubs have phenomenal amenities, pools and and everything else. But at, at the core, I do think that it starts with the game and the simplicity and purity of the game. And so that that's what we took from those clubs. And that's what we uh, we try to have ourselves. Nice, nice. So one of the things in business and entrepreneurship that I, I sincerely embrace and I'm an advocate of and extend out there to other people too is this notion of not competing and fighting over the scraps or wanting all the toys in the sandbox. It's about collaboration and finding partners that complement you so you can all scale and propel yourself forward. It seems to me what I've learned here in the last 25 minutes or so is through that golf funnel of people that play, you're not at the very beginning uh, of onboarding people. There are other groups we talked about earlier, whether it's for younger golfers or people of color. 
in order to get acclimatized to the game, especially with women. So as far as ambassadors, is that something that you're going to look at the future is getting more women on board as ambassadors and perhaps partnering with some of those other groups that when you have some of those people coming through that now are ready for that green grass experience, you don't have to go looking for them. It's already pre-positioned with the relationships you have with them, that it's a nice gradual way to then get them from where they are to then not only themselves, but a bunch of their friends where they're more comfortable, all of them come along and then they can try the new club golf experience for the first time. Yeah, we've definitely established those partners and are starting to reach out to the folks that can help us broaden the interest and particularly female. So one of our key partners is Abby Liebenthal, who's someone that I think you should have on the pod, Colin. She's pretty inspiring once you start talking to her and she started the organization for the ladies. And for the ladies is, I think she calls it, it's a drop-in class for golf and more of a social mixer. I connected with her at some point last year, early last year, and she was getting these events set up in different cities. And she asked us to come bring our members and help support. So of course we did. And they had an event at Five Iron Golf here in Chicago. And I'm telling you, it was amazing to see she had a hundred fairly new people to the game of golf. I would say 90 of the hundred were maybe fresh to the game and there was instruction and there was drinks and it, it wasn't intimidating at all. You could wear whatever you wanted. And we were talking to people about our golf society there while we were helping this event go, people were interested in it. And I think it's something you can aspire to. They might not just sign up tomorrow because they're not yet playing green grass golf, But they were certainly interested and they like the ideals that we talk about. And so I think more groups like Abby's for the ladies, we're going to see more of those pop up all over the place. Uh, I know there's one out in New York called Gruder Golf that we've chatted with as well. And and once we get a footprint in New York, I think we'd love to do some collaboration with them. But I think that's the way it's going to lead forward. I've realized in my entrepreneurial journey that I'm not going to be the expert on a lot of things and I need smart people to partner with and and help me out. That's how I found my co-founder, Mark, who's just absolute rock star and does everything that I don't so much better than I could ever try to imagine. And that goes with partnerships too. I mean, people like Abby, I'm not going to know what it feels like to be a woman playing the game for the first time. I've played this game since I was three and I'm a gentleman. So I just can't imagine what that's like. I can try, but I I don't know if I'm the one that should be the authority on it. So what I learned is reach out to the people that are the authority on it. Reach out to the people that are making a difference and find out what they're doing that's working and help them, help them do it. And they'll help you in in ways that you could never imagine. So I think that's a a big lesson that I had to learn and, and definitely how we approach broadening the topic. Yeah. So you touched on collaboration there, and that is so essential to moving fast. There's a an entrepreneurial saying that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And it sounds like you're forging those relationships to go together so you can really scale this thing up, which is amazing. You are, uh, you're putting on a bit of an entrepreneurial masterclass for the do's and don'ts for uh, all the aspiring entrepreneurs out there trying to overcompliment you here, Matt, but you're doing a great job as an entrepreneur. The fact you're empathetic, you're curious, you embrace a bit of what I do too, is if you're the smartest person in the room, you're the, in the wrong room. So you, you need to <laughs> right. surround yourself with awesome people that come from diverse backgrounds with opposing points of view and skill sets and passions. And sounds like you're you're definitely doing that. So well, thank well, I'm excited you. Yeah. for you. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you. And, and the entrepreneurial stuff, if, because I know there's probably many listen that comes from less lessons just doing, obviously, but also some great mentors I've been fortunate to have. And 
I was an entrepreneur, I don't think, growing up. I, I don't think I had that gene. I got a job with Groupon when I was like the 90th employee there. And I sat next to people that just had this entrepreneurial spirit and looked at the world a totally different way. And by sitting next to those people and seeing what they went on to do even after our time at that place, I've really been inspired by them and kind of asked myself, well, why not me? I'm passionate about golf and I think it could use a, a tuning up in some different ways to enjoy it. And so I've applied a lot of those lessons to what we're doing here. And so far, it seems to be working. You just answered the question I was about to ask you, and that was that 10-year gap between 2004, 2005, and 2015 when you launched New Club there, those 10 years of what entrepreneurial lessons had you learned. So you certainly touched on that with Groupon. And, and I, once again, have to reinforce with people that are considering entrepreneurship or they're interested or they have an idea. And I get this all the time too. People say, well, I'm, I'm not creative enough or I'm not, I'm not entrepreneurial. And as I've learned and you've learned also, it is a skill and a, and a muscle that you can build over time. And it, it really depends on how much you're willing to listen and observe and, and ask questions and put yourself out there in situations to be around people that are like that. So you can be a sponge and learn from them. So, so yes, people think that entrepreneurs are born, not created. And I disagree with that. And I think you and I are both a living proof of that. I agree. So I could talk to you for uh, another hour here because I'm really uh, really loving what you're doing here with New Club Golf, but I do want to be respectful of your time. All right, Matt, so I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm going to let you go here, but before I do, could you please tell our listeners where they can learn more about all the good things that you're doing and where they can learn about what's going on with New Club Golf? Yeah, absolutely. So our website's newclub.golf. You can see all the information there. Our application is direct and live on the site for anyone who's interested in becoming a, a member or ambassador. All of our social channels are New Club Golf, all one word, no hashtags, no nothing, just New Club Golf. And you'll be able to find us on your Twitter and the Instagram, Facebook. And then uh, we also have a podcast that I host called The Bag Drop. Back to my days of working in bag rooms, uh, we decided to call it The Bag Drop. So if you search on any of your podcast channels for The Bag Drop or New Club Golf Society, you'll be able to find us there. And as I always do, I will include links to all the good things that Matt just included there, including the Bag Drop podcast, because once again, in the spirit of collaboration, I'm not here to uh, say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all your listeners and have a better podcast than you. You know what? Uh, a rising tide lifts all boats here. And I, well, and I wish, Colin, that we, our pod was as efficient as yours, because I know you get it into a nice condensed 30 to 45 minute window, which as a, a busy entrepreneur, I appreciate. And my pods don't always hit that mark. So I'll work on it. There we go. Well, for now, because with the podcast that I do most of the things myself as we scale up and automate and bring more people on, but one of my tasks is to edit out each um, ah, uh, and you know, and stammer that I have in every podcast. Believe me, there's a ton of them. And it takes about, I don't know, at least five minutes out of every podcast. We have an average of a thousand people uh, downloading every single episode. That's 5,000 minutes that I've just given back to humanity. So that's, that's my gift to the human race every single episode. So world, thank you're you. welcome. And, and thank you. <laughs> there we go. So Matt Constantine, founder and CEO of New Club Golf. Hey, I've really enjoyed this conversation today. Love what you're doing. And hey, I think we're gonna have to get you back on in another year or two to get an update and see where things are going in that trajectory that you're poised to launch on with New Club Golf. I'd enjoy that, Con. That'd be great. Uh, all right. You take care. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks. So that's a wrap for this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. 
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matt Considine, founder and CEO of New Club Golf. If you'd like to learn more, go to our episode show page where we've included additional links and content. I'd like to extend my gratitude and thanks to our sponsor partners, British Columbia Golf and Golf Genius Software, for help making the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from the golf industry's brightest innovators and influencers. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more of our innovation stories on previous episodes at mod.golf, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go for your podcast fix. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.